teach an old dog a new trick. I think it's time to sit, stay, listen. Welcome to Sit, Stay, Listen with Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sayall, certified professional dog trainer, coming to you from Forward Radio 1065 FM. At Sit, Stay, Listen, we are here to answer your questions about your pets, their behavior, and why they do what they do. So don't forget to send those questions to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page or to our email, behavior at kyhumane.org. You can find all of our previous episodes as well as all of the other programming available from Forward Radio on our website, forwardradio.org. And we are listener supported, so don't forget to hit that donate button to support radio by the people for the people. So it is summer road trip season, and I know that most of you out there probably love to bring your dogs along just as much as I do. I've absolutely done my share of taking my dogs for road trips. And I'm going to take today's episode to talk to you about some of the things you want to keep in mind when you take your dogs on the road and give you some tips and tricks for keeping your pets happy, healthy, and safe. The first half of the show, I want to talk about some special packing considerations, a few safety notes, and some travel tips for when you are actually on the road. And then I've gotten a few really great questions by email about how to help your dog if they are nervous about the car. So this is a great time to answer those questions. So we'll be going over that in the second half of our episode. So be sure to stick with us. So when we go on a trip, we want to make sure that we have all of our essentials with us. The dog food, the bowls, the leashes, the collars, that's all the obvious stuff. I'm not going to get into all of that in too much detail, but there are some really specific things that I always want to make sure that we note that are really important for travel but might not come to mind right away. So, first and foremost, important things for our pet first aid kit. A lot of the things in our pet's first aid kit are going to be really consistent with what we're going to see in a human first aid kit. This is a great thing to talk to your vet about to find out what specific things are going to be very different, but Always make sure that you have a pet first aid book in your first aid kit so that you have an instruction manual on hand. Even if you are pet first aid certified, when you are stressed, you're upset, it's easy to forget all of those things that you learned in class. So have a handbook available. And then the other thing that can be very important is carry a one-size-fits-all temporary muzzle. And this is something that you should be able to find with a simple online search. This is a very common item for any pet first aid kit. And with that first aid kit, make sure that you carry copies of your dog's current vaccine records with emergency contact numbers, so somebody that is not traveling with you. Make sure that their microchip is up to date and make sure that they are wearing those ID tags with your phone number on them. Obviously, we want to keep our pets close to us, in our sight, on leash at all times, but in the event of an emergency, we want it to be as easy as possible for our pets to be returned to us. And a quick, easy phone number is the fastest way to do that. So phone number on the collar, up-to-date microchip, and emergency contact information with their current vaccine records. 
So continuing with that safety kick, let's talk about seatbelt harnesses and straps. I'm big on seatbelt harnesses, y'all. I'm going to be real about it. There are a lot of reasons that I like a seatbelt harness. One, it keeps our dog in one place. They can't be bouncing back and forth between windows. They can't be trying to climb into the front seat. Distracted driving is very dangerous. So even if our dog isn't trying to climb into our lap, a dog that's moving all over the car is extremely distracting. So a seatbelt harness is going to help our dog stay in one place and in the event of an accident, if your dog is wearing a seatbelt, it can go a long way in protecting them and anybody else in the vehicle. And it's even better if you have multiple dogs in the car. You don't have to worry about them invading each other's space, anybody sitting or stepping on somebody else. Everybody is safe and comfortable. And when they're fitted properly, a seatbelt harness is still going to allow your dog to sit up. They can lay down, they can look out the window, they can still turn around. So it's not going to keep them from being able to move. It's just going to keep them where they belong. And if you happen to have a small breed dog, I highly recommend a booster seat. It's essentially the same idea as a seatbelt harness. It's just designed for a much smaller breed dog. So it's designed to strap to the car seat itself and it is a nice little nesting box for your very small dog where they actually clip into that box. There's a nice little cushion in there. You can give them a blanket. They can be nice and comfortable. And again, they have a safe, snuggly space to be in your car. So small dogs, booster seat, big dogs, seatbelt harness, and strap. And you can get a seatbelt strap that actually clips right into that seatbelt in your car. And when you are securing your dog in your car, be sure that you are always using a harness, never your dog's collar. And they do make harnesses that are specially designed for seatbelts and car safety. So definitely go check those out. So it's a great way to go. I strongly encourage you to use one for your safety and your dog's safety and also your sanity. Now talking about your dog's comfort in the car, I use a hammock style seat cover. So it covers the seat and then there is a hammock piece that goes up to the headrest of the front seats. It is going to keep your car a lot cleaner but I like the hammock seat covers because they keep my dogs from falling into the footwell. And the other reason that I like it is that I can actually use the footwell of the back seat of my car for storage without my dogs having super easy access to that stuff. They also have waterproof options for those, which is great. So if you're like me and when you take your dogs with you, you're going hiking, you're going canoeing, your dogs are going to get wet and muddy. Having a seat cover is pretty crucial. And with that in mind, I always bring a big old stack of dog towels with me as well. Never know when you're gonna need them. I don't care what the activity plan is. It doesn't matter how many towels you bring with you, you will use every single one of them, I promise. And of course, the essentials that 
I absolutely am going to have to mention. One, take your clicker, take your treats. Out in the world, going on adventures, seeing and being exposed to everything. Life experience is the best possible opportunity for training for you and for your dog and the best possible opportunity to find things to spontaneously reward your dog for. Do not miss the chance to click and reward your dog for doing fantastic things. For following instructions in new places, even if it's really simple stuff like sit in a brand new place, reward it. Reward your dog for making good choices. Just reward them. So do not forget to take your clicker. Don't forget to take your treats. And lastly, always take those doggy cleanup bags. I'm pretty sure I have a roll in every door of my car. So just grab a bunch of rolls of cleanup bags and tuck them everywhere you can think of. Throw one in your suitcase. Throw one in your backpack. Just make sure that you have cleanup bags pretty much everywhere. You will need them. Now this one really depends on you and your dogs, but if your dog is crate trained, it's a good idea to travel with a crate. I always travel with crates for my dogs. Sometimes I never use them, but I always, always have them with me. And if you prefer to travel with your dog in a secured crate as opposed to having your dog seat belted, that can be a great option for some dogs. And if you get one of the wire crates, it does pack flat, so it's really easy to pack into your car. Even my little Volkswagen Golf, I can fit three dog crates in there with all of our camping gear and three dogs. So it is totally doable. And one of the reasons that I recommend traveling with a crate, when you're traveling with your dog and you're in a new space, obviously we cannot keep an eye on them overnight when we're sleeping. So if your dog is crate trained, especially if they're used to sleeping in a crate, having them sleep in your room in a crate is a great way to keep your dog safe overnight, but it's also a great way to keep your host's home and their things safe overnight. So it keeps your dog safe, but it also helps you be a good guest. And it's a way to offer your dog the opportunity to take a break during the day as well. Traveling is exhausting. Being in a new home and in a new space is exhausting. And if your dog is crate trained and familiar with your crate, that can be a great opportunity for them to take a deep breath, relax, and take a nap in a situation that is familiar to them. Oh, my crate. I nap in my crate. Oh, thank goodness. I know what to do. When I'm traveling and set up my dog's crates, they are always very, very happy to see them. They know exactly what that is for. I also always travel with a baby gate, and this is incredibly useful pretty much anywhere. If I'm staying indoors somewhere, I'm going to be using a baby gate, whether it's planned ahead or not. So if you're staying somewhere or visiting with somebody that has another dog or somebody that has a cat, maybe they have kids, a dog in a new space takes 
constant supervision. If you're taking your dog somewhere new, if there are new animals in this space, you pretty much have to 100% monitor your dog all the time. And let's be real, that is exhausting. And a baby gate gives you the opportunity to separate your dog from other animals, to put your dog in a smaller space, to give yourself a break if you need to, if you want to feed your dog in a separate space from other animals in the home, which is honestly usually a great idea anyway. It allows you to practice some really great management and just be as prepared as possible to take those steps to keep everybody safe. So I always travel with a baby gate and I pretty much always use it one way or another. And then we have a couple special considerations and this is just going to depend on where you're going and what you're doing. I will often travel with our doggy life jackets if you're doing anything on the water, even if your dog might not be planning to swim. If you're going to be on a boat or you're going to be near water, having a doggy life jacket is really important for your dog's safety. If we're going to be hiking, if it's winter, or if it's summer and pavement is hot, my dogs have boots. I always pack those boots. So just think ahead about the activities that you're going to be doing. And naturally, you always want to make sure that you pack extra leashes, a little more food than you think you need, and a nice comfy bed so that your dog knows where they're supposed to be and how to settle and get comfy in a new space. So now that you are all packed up, just a couple notes for when you are actually on the road. First thing, I know it's really tempting to roll those windows down and let your dog put their head out the window and smell the air and feel the wind in their hair, but remember that your dog only has one set of eyeballs and it only takes one loose piece of gravel or sand or something flying through the air to do permanent damage to their eyes. So as much as I feel like I'm being a killjoy for you and your dogs right now, I really discourage letting your dog put their head out the window because it can be very risky to their eyes. So in the name of safety, what we can do is open the window a crack enough that they can maybe get their nose out a little bit. They can still smell the air and feel the breeze. They can get all of that enjoyment out of it without having to stick their entire head out of the car. And remember too, we don't want our dog to get their whole body out of the car. It's not just unsafe for their eyeballs. It's not safe for their whole body. Even if they are seat belted in, even if they couldn't actually jump out of the car, it is still not safe. So if your dog can get their head out of your window, the window is open too wide. So try and stick with having the window open enough that they can still smell the air, that they can still feel that breeze, but not so open that they can get any part of themselves out of that window. And also remember to set the child safety locks on those windows so that your dog doesn't accidentally stand up on that car door and roll the window down themselves. 
You are tuned in to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. And we will be back after a short break with some original music by John 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 Slater. It's either right or wrong. Welcome back to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sayall, certified professional dog trainer, coming to you from Forward Radio 106.5 FM. If you missed the first half of this episode, you can catch it from the very beginning on our website, forwardradio.org. We are talking about road tripping with your dog on today's episode. Packing lists, safety tips, and this half of the show we're going to be talking about how to prepare your dog and work with pups that are maybe a little nervous about the car. So there are some dogs that just don't like the car or just don't like traveling in general and there can be a lot of reasons for that. Some dogs get motion sick, some dogs get really excited about travel and so excited that they get really overwhelmed by travel. We have some dogs that are reactive, meaning they want to bark or lunge at things that they see out in the world. And I think it's really important to note when we talk about traveling with our dogs that there are going to be some dogs that may not be ready, or are just not well suited to a road trip. And the best thing we can do for ourselves and for our dogs is to be honest about what their capabilities are, what their comfort level is, and how we can make sure that we have the best trip that we can have and how our dog is going to be the happiest and the most comfortable. And if our dog is happiest and most comfortable at home, that is okay. And we will have our best trip if they are happiest and comfortable at home too. So if your dog is very afraid of the car, but in every other respect, maybe going on a trip, getting to the destination, everything else is pretty okay for them but the car is a struggle. The first thing we wanna look at is how can we help them be more comfortable in the car? So setting the rest of the road trip aside, obviously if our dog is not comfortable in the car, we don't wanna throw them into a four hour road trip. We just want to focus on helping the car become a more comfortable space in baby steps. So starting from square one. When I'm trying to help a dog be a little more comfortable in a car, 
we want the car to be a fun place. And a lot of that might have to do with figuring out if it's the motion that's a challenge. Is your dog getting car sick? Is it the destination that is scary? Is it the movement that they don't like? The sound of the car? So I start with the car stationary. I take all of those other factors out and we just hang out with the car. I might not even get my dog in the car initially. I don't turn on the engine. I will generally just open the car doors. If my dog wants to get in, that's great. If they don't want to get in, that's okay. And I may just end up sitting in the car seat with my dog on a leash next to the car, hand them some treats, and then walk away. So I walk to the car, I open the car door, I sit down, I hand my dog some treats, and walk away. Oh, they open the car door, I get treats. Okay, cool. Not so bad. Now, if your dog is willing to get into the car, having your dog get in, and maybe you hang out in the car and let them chew on their favorite bone, but again, don't go anywhere. We want to try and help the car be a positive, relaxing space. One of the things that I will often do is I'll find a chew that they like or an activity like a frozen Kong, if that's something that's relaxing to them. And we'll just go out and hang out in the car and not really do much else. If I'm hanging out in the car with my dog, I might read a book out loud to my dog. That's also a time where I may go and make a phone call. Keep your time in the car relatively short, especially at the beginning. You can add more time as your dog gets a little more comfortable. Keep it positive. Make sure that you are giving your dog rewards and then go back inside. But the idea is that their time in and around the car is positive and that you're working to start to change that emotional response a little bit. And as you're working on changing your dog's relationship with the car, you do want to be mindful of those necessary interactions with the car or rather avoiding unnecessary interactions with the car. So if your dog doesn't have to go into the car, try and avoid it if you can so that you are doing your best to make every car experience a really, really good one. Now, if your dog is ready and as they get more comfortable, you can start to do things like take them for a short spin around the block, very short, positive car rides. And if there are things that your dog loves, like going to the dog park, or maybe they love going to the pet supply, or if your dog's doing really well and you have, let's say, a coffee shop or a fast food spot around the corner where you can spin through the drive-through and get them a pup cup or a really special treat. I know that my bank always has dog biscuits. Going on very short little field trips like that in the car where your dog gets something really special can be a great way to start to improve your dog's relationship with the car. But if your dog has been struggling with the car, 
do everything you can to make sure that every interaction they have with the car, every car trip they take leads to something good. And do your best to keep those car trips short, if at all possible. Now, if your dog is having motion sickness issues, if they're getting in the car and getting car sick, that's definitely something that you would want to talk to your vet about to see if they might have some recommendations for you. And I also realize that there are some car trips and that there are some road trips that there just isn't any way around. Sometimes we have to move or we have family that we have to drive to go see and we don't have the option to leave our dog behind. And again, those circumstances, of course, we want to do everything we can ahead of time, like get that car practice in to prepare our dogs to make it as positive as possible. But in those cases, it is definitely in your and your dog's best interest to have a conversation with your vet in advance to see if they may have any recommendations or help for you. And it would definitely be in your best interest as well to talk to a professional trainer to see if they can offer any guidance as well as you're getting ready to take that trip, especially if you have enough notice. And remember that we do have training services available through the Kentucky Humane Society. Our direct number is 502-253-2883. And you can find more information about our training services on our website, kyhumane.org. So I know we've already talked a lot about safety, but I do have a few safety notes that I am going to leave you with before we go today. First, it is summer. You're going to be in the car. So... I absolutely have to say, if you are on the road in the summer, your dog should not be left unattended in the car. Cracking a window is not enough. Air conditioning is crucial. Even if the air temperature is in the 70s and feels fine to us, a car in the sun can reach life-threatening temperatures within just a few minutes. So never leave your dog unattended in the car. Make sure you carry lots of extra water with you. When you stop on those short breaks so that they can go potty, give them a chance to drink some water both right after you stop and then right after they've taken a walk. So two chances to drink some water before you put them back in the car. Now I take those short breaks every couple of hours, but when I take my longer breaks... On my road trips with my dogs, I always try and find a small park or somewhere that I can actually take a short walk with my dogs, not just a gas station or a rest stop. Remember, Google Maps is your friend. It will help you find a park. You can pick up lunch to go, have a picnic, give your dog a chance to sniff around, to take a break from a car, and honestly, you'll probably find that it's a really nice break for you too. And lastly, I wouldn't be much of a trainer if I didn't bring up how important it is for every dog that goes out into the world 
to have a solid foundation in some basic manners and obedience skills. So when you have your dog out, make sure that they have decent leash manners, that they can follow basic instructions, that they are human and animal friendly, and the most important thing you can ever teach your dog is how to come when called. Well, I hope this information has been helpful to you all today. I hope you feel ready to get out there on the road with your dog and have a safe, happy road trip. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Everybody take care and have a great rest of your day. I think it's time to sit, stay.